0: Lesson 8 for February 15-21 to 21, From the Stormy Sea to the Clouds of Heaven Read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath afternoon, February 15 Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the opportunity this week of being able to delve in it again, looking at what You did through the lives of the Prophet Daniel. We pray that as we look at what we read in chapter 7, and also its relationship to our salvation, that we may not just see facts and figures and history, but that we may see the lovely Jesus, we pray in his dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Let's read that again, Daniel 7, verse 27. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. The vision of Daniel 7, our topic for this week, parallels the dream in Daniel chapter 2. But Daniel 7 expands on what was revealed in Daniel 2. First, the vision occurs at night and portrays the sea agitated by the four winds. Darkness and water evoke creation, but here creation appears to be somehow distorted or under attack. Second, the animals in the vision are unclean and hybrid, which represents a violation of the created order. Third, the animals are portrayed as exerting dominion. Thus, it appears that the dominion God gave to Adam in the garden has been usurped by these powers. Fourth, with the coming of the Son of Man, God's dominion is restored to those to whom it properly belongs. What Adam lost in the garden the Son of Man recovers in the heavenly judgment. The above description gives a panoramic view of the biblical imagery that runs in the background of this highly symbolic vision. Fortunately, some of the crucial details of the vision are explained by the angel, so we can understand the main contours of this amazing prophecy. SUNDAY, FEBRUARY 16 FOUR ANIMALS Question. Read Daniel chapter 7. What is the essence of what Daniel has shown, and what is the vision about? Daniel 7, beginning at verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and, behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side, and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them. BEFORE WHOM THREE OF THE FIRST HORNS WERE PLUCKED UP BY THE ROOTS, AND THERE IN THIS HORN WERE EYES LIKE THE EYES OF A MAN, AND A MOUTH SPEAKING pompous WORDS. I WATCHED TILL THRONES WERE PUT IN PLACE, AND THE ANCIENT OF DAYS WAS SEATED. HIS GARMENT WAS WHITE AS SNOW, AND THE HAIR OF HIS HEAD WAS LIKE PURE WOOL. HIS THRONE WAS A FIERY FLAME, ITS WHEELS A BURNING FIRE, A FIERY STREAM ISSUED AND CAME FORTH FROM BEFORE HIM. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by, and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me, and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom, and possess the kingdom for ever, even for ever and ever. Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broke in pieces, and trampled the residue with its feet, and the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, before which three fell namely, that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favour of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it for ever. Then the kingdom and dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Each animal shown to Daniel corresponds to a section of the statue shown to Nebuchadnezzar, but now more details about each kingdom are given. How interesting that the creatures symbolising pagan nations are all unclean beasts. Also, except for the fourth beast, Daniel describes the animals as resembling some known creatures. So the animals are not arbitrary symbols, inasmuch as each one bears some characteristics or points to some aspect of the kingdom it represents. Lion A lion is a most fitting representation of Babylon. Winged lions decorated the palace walls and other parts of Babylonian art. The lion depicted in the vision eventually has its wings pulled off, is made to stand upright like a man, and receives a human heart. This process symbolises the Babylonian empire under its kings. Bear... The bear represents the Medo-Persian Empire. The fact that it is raised up on one side indicates the superiority of the Persians over the Medes. The three ribs between its teeth stand for the three main conquests of the Medo-Persian Empire, Lydia, Babylon and Egypt. Leopard The swift leopard represents the Greek Empire established by Alexander the Great. The four wings make this beast even swifter, an apt representation of Alexander, who, in a few years, brought the entire known world under his dominion. The dreadful and terrible animal? Whereas the previous entities only resemble the animals mentioned, this one is an entity unto itself, that is, the first ones that are depicted like a lion or like a bear, but this one is not depicted like anything this multi-horned beast also appears far more cruel and rapacious than the previous ones. As such, it is a fitting representation of pagan Rome, which conquered, ruled and trampled the world with its feet. So to finish the day, all these thousands of years of human history have come and gone, just as predicted. How much comfort can you get from knowing that Above all, the clamour, unrest, and at times utter chaos, God rules. What does this teach us about the trustworthiness of Scripture? February 17 The Little Horn Question Read Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, and verses 19 to 25. Who is the little horn power that arises directly from, and remains part of, the fourth beast? Daniel 7 beginning at verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. And then beginning at verse 19, Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broke in pieces, and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely, that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favour of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom.' Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings." He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. Yesterday we learned that the ferocious animal with ten horns ruling the world with utmost cruelty represents pagan Rome. Now we must consider the little horn and the power it represents. As portrayed in the vision, the fourth animal has ten horns, of which three horns were plucked out to make way for a little horn. This horn has human eyes and speaks pompous words, as we read in verse 8. It is clear that the little horn emerges from the entity represented by the terrible animal, which is pagan Rome. In a way, the horn extends or continues some features of pagan Rome. It is just the later stage of the same power. Daniel sees this other horn making war against the saints. The angel explains to him that this horn is a king who will perform three unlawful actions. 1. Speaking pompous words against the Most High. 2. Persecute the saints of the Most High. 3. Intend to change times and law. And, as a consequence, the saints would be given into his hand. Next, the angel gives the time frame for the activities of the little horn, a time, and times, and half a time. In this instance of prophetic language, the word time means year, and so the expression times signifies years, a dual form, two years, Hence, this is a period of three and a half prophetic years, which according to the year day principle indicates a period of one thousand two hundred and sixty years. During this time the little horn will mount an attack against God, persecute the saints, and attempt to change God's law. Question Read Second Thessalonians chapter two verses one to twelve. What similarities are there between the man of lawlessness and the little horn? What power do we believe that this is talking about, and why? What is the only power that arose out of pagan Rome, but remains part of Rome? A power that extends from the time of pagan Rome until the end of the world, meaning that it still exists today. So we read Second Thessalonians chapter 1-12, to 12, which is the whole chapter, beginning at verse 2. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together to him, we ask you, do not be soon shaken in mind, or troubled, either by spirit, or by word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining.' that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders." and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Tuesday, February 18, The Court Was Seated After the vision of the four animals and the activities of the little horn, the prophet sees a scene of judgment in heaven. Described in Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated, his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool, his throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A FIERY STREAM ISSUED AND CAME FORTH FROM BEFORE HIM, A THOUSAND THOUSANDS MINISTERED TO HIM, TEN THOUSAND TIMES ten thousand STOOD BEFORE HIM, THE COURT WAS SEATED, AND THE BOOKS WERE OPENED, AND VERSES 13 AND 14, I WAS WATCHING IN THE NIGHT VISIONS, AND BEHOLD, ONE LIKE THE SON OF MAN COMING WITH THE CLOUDS OF HEAVEN. HE CAME TO THE ANCIENT OF DAYS, AND THEY BROUGHT HIM NEAR BEFORE HIM. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. As the court convenes, Thrones are put in place, and the Ancient of Days takes his seat. As the heavenly scene shows, thousands and thousands of heavenly beings minister before the Ancient of Days. The court is seated, and the books are opened. What's important to note about this judgment is that it occurs after the 1,260-year period of the Little Horns Activity, that's AD 538-1798. to 1798 and we'll look at that in Friday's study. But prior to the establishment of God's final kingdom, in fact, three times in the vision, the following sequence appears. Little Horn Phase, 538 to 1798, Heavenly Judgment, God's Eternal Kingdom. Question. Read Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, 21 and 22, and 26 and 27. In what ways does the judgment benefit God's people? Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given... Dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. In verses 21 and 22, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favour of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom, in verses 26 and 27, but the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. The Old Testament Describes several acts of judgment from the tabernacle and temple, but the judgment referred to here is different. This is a cosmic judgment that affects not only the little horn, but also the saints of the Most High, who will eventually receive the kingdom. Daniel 7 does not describe the judgment or give details about its beginning and closing, but it implies that the judgment is undertaken in the wake of the little horn's attack against God and his people. The point here, then, is to emphasize the beginning of a judgment of cosmic proportions. From Daniel chapter 8 and 9, and we'll see that in the following weeks, we will learn about the time of judgment's beginning, and the fact that this judgment is related to the purification of the heavenly sanctuary on the heavenly day of atonement. The lesson here is that we clearly will have a pre-advent judgment in heaven that will be in favour of God's people, as we read in verse 22 of Daniel chapter 7. So to finish the day, why is an understanding of what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross so central to why we can have assurance in the day of judgment? What hope would we have, or even could we have, without the cross? Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Wednesday, February 19, The Coming of the Son of Man Question. Read Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Who is the Son of Man here, and how do you identify him? And we'll also look at Mark thirteen twenty-six, Matthew eight twenty, Matthew 9, 6, Luke nine twenty-six, and Luke 12, verse 8. First of all, Daniel seven thirteen. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And Mark thirteen twenty six. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Matthew 8, verse 20, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Matthew 9, verse 6, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And Luke 9, verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. And Luke 12, Verse 8 Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. As the judgment unfolds, a most important figure enters the scene, the Son of Man. Who is he? First, the Son of Man appears as an individual heavenly figure. But as the title implies he also displays human traits. In other words, he is a divine human individual who comes to play an active role in judgment. Second, the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven is a common image of the second coming in the New Testament. However, in Daniel 7 and verse 13, specifically, the Son of Man is not depicted as coming from heaven to earth, but as moving horizontally from one place in heaven to another in order to appear before the Ancient of Days. Third, the depiction of the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven suggests a visible manifestation of the Lord. But this imagery also is reminiscent of the High Priest who, surrounded by a cloud of incense, enters the Most Holy Place on the Day of Atonement to perform the purification of the Sanctuary. The Son of Man also is a royal figure. He receives dominion and glory and a kingdom. And as it says in Daniel 7.14, all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. The verb serve also can be translated as worship. It appears nine times in chapters 1 through 7. First of all, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. In verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? And verses 17 and 18. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angels and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. And Daniel 6. Verse 16, So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. And, verse 20, And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lion's? And chapter 7, verse 14, Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. And verse 27, Then the kingdom and dominion, and all the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High, His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. It appears nine times in chapters 1 to 7, and conveys the idea of paying homage to a deity. So, as a consequence of the attempt to change the law of God, the religious system represented by the little horn corrupts the worship due to God. The judgment portrayed here shows that true worship is eventually restored. The worship system set by the papal system, among other elements, places a fallen human being as a mediator between God and humanity. Daniel shows that the only mediator capable of representing humanity before God is the Son of Man as the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So to finish today, from all that we've read in the Bible about the life and character of Jesus, why is it so comforting to know that he is so central to the judgment depicted here? Thursday, February 20. The Holy Ones of the Most High. Question What happens to God's people according to the following texts? Daniel 7, verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom for ever, even for ever and ever. And verses 21 and 22, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favour of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. And verse 25, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. And verse 27, then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. The Holy Ones of the Most High is a designation of God's people. They are attacked by the power represented by the little horn. Because they insist on remaining faithful to God's word, they are persecuted during the times of papal rule. Christians were persecuted during the time of pagan Roman Empire too, the fourth beast itself, but the persecution mentioned in Daniel 7.25 is a persecution of the saints by the little horn, which arises only after the pagan phase of Rome ends. However, God's people won't be subjected to oppression by worldly power forever. The kingdom of God will replace the kingdoms of the world. Interestingly, in the actual vision to the Son of Man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, Daniel 7 verse 14. But, in the interpretation offered by the angel, it is the holy ones who receive the kingdom in verse 18. There is no contradiction here, because the Son of Man is related to God and humanity. His victory is the victory of those He represents. When the high priests asked if Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus points back to Psalm 110 and verse 1 and Daniel 7 verses 13 and 14 and says, I am... And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Psalm 110 verse 1 reads, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And Daniel 7, 13 and 14 reads, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Therefore Jesus is the one who represents us in the heavenly tribunal. He already has defeated the powers of darkness and shares his triumph with those who come close to him. Therefore, there is no reason to fear, as the Apostle Paul so aptly states in Romans 8 verses 37 to 39, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So to finish today, look at how accurately Daniel's vision depicts history thousands of years in advance. How should this help us to learn to trust all of God's promises for the future? Friday, February twenty one. From the book Prophets and Kings, page 586 and 587, we read, A cursory look at history reveals that after the collapse of the Roman Empire, which came about by attacks from barbarians from the north, the Bishop of Rome took advantage of the overthrow of three barbarian tribes and established himself as the sole power in Rome as of AD 538. In this process, he adopted several institutional and political functions of the Roman Emperor. From this emerged the papacy, invested with temporal and religious power, until it was deposed by Napoleon in 1798. This did not bring an end to Rome, but only to that specified phase of persecution – The Pope not only claimed to be the Vicar of Christ, but also introduced several doctrines and practices contrary to the Bible. Purgatory, penance, auricular confession, and the change of the Sabbath commandment to Sunday are among many other changes of the times and law introduced by the papacy. In his own strength, man cannot meet the charges of the enemy. In sin-stained garments, confessing his guilt, he stands before God. But Jesus, our advocate, presents an effectual plea in behalf of all who, by repentance and faith, have committed the keeping of their souls to him. He pleads their cause, and by the mighty argument of Calvary, vanquishes their accuser. His perfect obedience to God's law has given him all power in heaven and in earth, and he claims from his Father mercy and reconciliation for guilty man. To the accuser of his people, he declares, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. These are the purchase of my blood, brands plucked from the burning. And to those who rely on him in faith, he gives the assurance in Zechariah 3 verse 4, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And that brings us to our discussion question for this week. Yes, there's only one. One, look again at all the characteristics of the little horn power that arises from and remains part of the fourth beast, Rome. What power alone arose out of pagan Rome many centuries ago, and besides having persecuted God's people, remains in existence today. Why should this clear identification help protect us from speculation about its identity, including the idea that the little horn refers to a pagan Greek king who disappeared from history more than a century and a half before the first advent of Jesus? How should these clear identifying marks also protect us from the belief that the little horn is some future power yet to arise? inside story. Our mission story this week is titled Miracle in Egypt and it's by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. The plan seemed perfect. Transform an ageing Seventh-day Adventist church in the heart of Egypt's capital into a vibrant community centre. But construction companies dismissed the idea of completely rebuilding Cairo's centre church. There is no way that you can get a permit said a top engineer at one construction company. Church leaders prayed and decided to move forward in faith. They contacted one more construction company and inquired about the process of securing a permit to renovate the building. It's true that it is difficult, a senior engineer replied, but we think that we can obtain the permit in one to three months. A month later, the engineer called back to announce that the building permit was ready. The quick progress astounded Akram Khan, treasurer of the Adventist Church's Egypt Sudan field. One month, he said in an interview, that was the first sign that God really wanted us to do something with the building. More miracles followed in rapid succession, church leaders said. Centre Church's premises underwent a complete renovation within a year and reopened its doors as the Ramseys Cultural Centre in 2018. Adventist Church President Ted N.C. Wilson rededicated the four-storey complex and reminded Church members that a key part of the Church's mission is helping people in big cities. Cairo is a city with almost 20 million people, people who are broken-hearted, people who are captured by evil things, people who are blind to their own needs, people who are spiritually hungry, Wilson said in a speech in the refurbished hall of the Centre Church. This is why the Ramses Cultural Centre exists. The centre church, whose 750 seats once filled the building, now occupies a corner and has seating for up to 280 people. The renovated building also has a preschool, a dental clinic, a fitness centre, a massage room, a kitchen for cooking lessons and seven classrooms for wellness lectures and English classes. The Adventist church has 200 members in Cairo and 800 in all of Egypt an African country with a population of about 100 million. Wilson and other church leaders praised God for the speed with which the Ramses Cultural Centre was completed. Starting with the crucial step of obtaining the building permit, Khan, pictured on the left, says the miracles didn't end there. Everything that we are doing with this building is a miracle, said Khan, a Pakistani native who has served in Egypt for eight years. Pray for more mission miracles in Egypt and beyond. Thank you for your mission offerings that make miracles possible. This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department, and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.